have rebelled and say they do not agree with the Conservative government's proposal. A government spokesperson has replied, saying that the provision will be removed. Meanwhile, though, other provisions, such as severe restrictions on picketing, are still in the legislation. Len McCluskey, the leader of Britain's biggest union, Unite, said the remaining bill would continue to undermine workers' rights. He said the revised bill would still set industrial relations in the country back by decades. This is Seymour Ainsborough reporting for Radio Labour. A global coalition of 100 labor unions, pension funds and shareholders is intensifying its campaign to stop a giant education corporation from privatizing schools in developing countries and promoting standardized testing around the world. The educational conglomerate, Pearson, is scheduled to hold its annual general membership meeting in London on April 29th. Coalition members will attend the meeting in the hope of changing Pearson's business plans, which work against free public quality education. The coalition includes three major pension plans and 12 unions. The unions include the National Union of Teachers in the UK, the NUT, and the American Federation of Teachers, the AFT. Pearson used to be a company which was focused on producing educational materials. But in the past few years, the company has concentrated on two other activities. Standardized testing across student populations results in teachers being forced to teach the questions on the tests instead of enhancing learning in various ways. Pearson is also heavily involved in privatizing school systems in developing countries. So-called low-fee schools take education out of the public sphere and into the world of corporate profit-making. To find out more about Pearson, which is headquartered in the UK, I talked to Kevin Courtney, the Deputy General Secretary of the National Union of Teachers in the UK. Pearson is a British-based multinational company. It's got huge interests in education worldwide. $8 billion US global sales last year. It's got contracts for high-stakes testing in many jurisdictions, including uh, England and Wales and the US. So they have the contracts for about 9 million tests in the US and for the, the SATs tests here in the UK. It's also expanding networks of for-profit, so-called low-fee private schools in the global south, uh, expanding uh, and seeking to expand further high-stakes testing and to expand further these networks of private schools in the global south. Patricia Kiefer is the director of the AFT's Department of International Affairs. We feel that right now that what has happened here, particularly in the Global South, has created alternative forms of of education that put profits ahead of kids. And we are looking for a partnership, a public-private partnership that supports quality public education that is free to all kids. And that's where we would want to align with Pearson, and Pearson fights back on that. Now here with his report about union events around the world is Labor Start correspondent Derek Blackadder. Here's a small sample of the more than 2,200 stories our volunteers collected last week. Our top story section included links to news about the new forms of protest being developed by unpaid workers in Zimbabwe, the persecution of labor rights advocates by the Turkish government, and the defense of the Brazilian president by the labor movement there. 
We had news of strikes and lockouts in dozens of countries. Here are just a few highlights. In Kuwait, oil workers struck over wages and the privatization of their industry. Airport workers in South Africa were locked out and their employer began hiring scabs last week. Later in the week, the union announced a victory in the strike in the form of a 23% wage increase. 58,000 Colombian community welfare workers ended their walkout with a victory, as did banana plantation workers in the Philippines. The union representing jute mill workers in Bangladesh ended a strike after the government intervened on its behalf. Argentinian bank workers began a wage dispute with a one-day walkout. Strikes protesting government austerity policies in the French Mayotte Islands continued. Healthcare system funding was behind a hospital strike in Kenya. A wage strike by Pakistani irrigation system workers entered its second week. And in the United States, the huge strike by telecom workers continued. Our top working women's stories included coverage of the exploitation of migrant domestic workers in Australia, police attacks on protesting garment workers in southern India, and the growing power of the living wage movement in the UK. Our health and safety newswire carried stories to hundreds of union websites around the world about the meat processing worker in New Zealand who spent an hour hanging from a meat hook before being rescued moves across Europe to privatize workplace safety programs, and the worldwide preparation for Workers' Memorial Day on the 28th of April. Currently, Labor Start is running seven online actions. Take just a few seconds out of your day and join thousands of trade unionists around the world in helping workers make their lives better, or even help save those lives. This is Derek Blackadder from Labor Start, reporting for Radio Labor. Thank you, and remember, it's all about global solidarity. This is solid. Amen. It's about global solidarity. Um, Radio Labor World Report. Remember, uh, you're only alone when you don't stand up all around the world all times workers have stood up to make their lives better and the lives of their families so if you don't stand up you're alone and if you don't stand up you'll be counted as standing up for sitting down okay as brother Charlie Morgan says if we ruin the earth we won't have a place to stand and as uh, global warming proceeds apace at a faster rate than anyone thought, huge hunks of ice fall into the water at the South Pole. And we had the hottest year on record last year. It's time to celebrate our Mother Earth and do something about saving her. Okay, so let's, uh, here's an Earth Day song. And let's see. Ten more Earth Day songs. Let's listen to something else right now. 
How about um, Tracy Chapman?
Tracy Chapman with uh, her classic Earth Day song, The Rape of the World. Mother of us all, place of our birth. Okay, here's Bob Dylan with License to Kill. License to kill. Ladies and gentlemen, Bob Dylan.
and go to Innisfree, and as I will arise and go now and go to Innisfree, and a small cabin build there of clay and wattles made. Nine bean rows will I have there, a hive for the honey bee, and live alone in the bee lounge glade. And I shall have some peace there, for peace comes dropping slow, dropping from the veils of the morning to where the cricket sings. There midnight's all a glimmer, and noon a purple glow, and evening full of its wings. I will arise and go now, for always night and day I hear late water lapping with low sounds for the shore, while I stand on the roadway or on the pavement's grey, I hear it in the deep heart's core. have to remember the land is ours this land is your land this land is mine from california to the new york island from the redwood forest to the gulf stream waters this land was made for you and me as i went walking that ribbon I saw above me that endless skyway. I saw below me the golden valley. I said this land was made for you and me. This land is your land. This land is Steps to the sparkling sands of our diamond deserts, and all around me a voice was sounding. This land was made for you and me. This land is your land. This land is my land. From California to the New York Island. Gulf Stream waters. This land was made for you and me. There was a big high wall there. It tried to stop me. And the sign was painted. It said private property. But on the back side, it didn't say nothing. This side was made for you and me. <laughs> this land is your land. This land is my land. From California to the New York Island. From the Redwood Forest 
This land was made for you and me When the sun came shining And I was strolling And the wheat fields waving And the dust clouds rolling And the voice was a chanting As the fog was lifting And it said this land was made for you and me Sunny morning in the shadow of the steeple by the relief office. I saw my people as they stood hungry. I stood there wondering if this land was made for you and me. This land is your land, this land is Okay, that was, of course, uh, the Woody Guthrie classic, This Land Was Made for You and Me. And I think we have to adopt the stance that our connection with the earth as, as the mother of us all, as the place where we were born, is really more profound than who owns this or that piece of land. The earth belongs to all of us. Before that, we had the great Irish poet, William Butler Yeats, writing about his place in Ireland, the Lake Isle of Inishfree. And um, Yeats had great appreciation for the Irish countryside. He was a nature poet as well as other kinds of poet. Uh, connection to that natural world that we might be losing now as we continue to exploit the earth and taking more out of her than we give back. Bob Dylan preceded that with right to kill, license to kill. Man has created his own doom. The first step was to touch the moon, says Bob Dylan. And Tracy Chapman with The Rape of the World. Okay, uh, right now I want to talk a little about the life of Judy Berry. This is, uh, last week was the anniversary of Berry's uh, death. Judy Berry was one of the most prominent members of Earth First, a coalition of people who resisted the continuing rape of the earth, specifically logging in Northern California. Judy Berry was born in Silver Spring, Maryland, um, 
raised by a union activist couple, people who protested the Vietnam War. Um, she attended the University of Maryland for five years, dropped out without graduating. She worked in a chain grocery store and uh, as a mail handler for the U.S. Postal Service and organized a wildcat strike on the U.S. Postal Service in Maryland. Also did union organizing when she was the chain grocery store clerk. Um, she was involved in the anti when the U.S. Uh, wanted to intervene in Central America, which they did, Barry moved in 1985 to Northern California with her husband and two children. Um, they were divorced, and she met a guy named Daryl Cherney, and they began a romantic relationship. And Barry joined Earth First in 19. 88 and organized blockades to stop um, loggers and other people who wanted to exploit the forest from, go from doing their jobs. In 1988, she organized a demonstration to protect an abortion clinic in Northern California. And of course, loggers saw this activity as a threat to their Livelihoods, and this is the central problem now for those of us in the labor movement. All these years, we've been paid to exploit nature. Now we need to turn our work around because it's our work that's destroying the earth. Even though we don't want to destroy the earth, that's how the world is set up for us. Okay, timber cutters were even known to fell trees in the direction of demonstrators. And Earth first came up with the idea in 1985 of Redwood Summer. And uh, 1989, pardon me, her car was rammed by a logging truck. She was threatened with death. Houston millionaire Charles Hurwitz acquired Pacific Lumber Company and doubled its rate of harvesting as a means of paying off the cost of the acquisition. Here's a classic case. Rip nature off and sell the product. 1988, um, Barry used her labor organizing background to run a workshop on the IWW at Earth First and organized Local One, EFI, IWW, brought together environmentalists and timber workers who were concerned about the rate the timber industry was harvesting timber. Sure, the quickest way to work yourself out of a job is to cut down all the trees. Demonstrations turned violent. Um, one demonstrator suffered a broken nose. Uh, another logging worker was almost killed when a tree was spiked, which was a tactic of one wing of Earth First. 
That is to put a metal, drive a metal piece into a tree so that when it's milled, when it goes to cut, it shreds and throws uh, iron shrapnel all over. Um, now it gets dirty. 1990, May 24th. The vehicle used by Barry and Daryl Cherney was blown up by a pipe bomb. And the FBI came up with a rather ridiculous explanation that Barry and Cherney had been carrying the bomb in the car. Um, they went on organizing. The FBI investigated and said that they had been, they blamed them for the the sabotaging equipment and the tree spiking and tied Barry's bombing to these actions. Earth First was painted as the villain by being too radical. They're, they want to save the Earth too bad. They, um, all the, the um, accusations of the FBI were ultimately proved to be wrong, wrong-minded, accusatory. That's a way. Blame the victim. Um, the Oakland District Attorney uh, finally announced that he would not file any formal charges against the pair due to insufficient evidence against them. Anyway, here's Judy Berry. Um... She died in 1997 as a result of injuries in, in that car bombing. Uh, here she is speaking from her hospital bed, not only about that incident, but the whole campaign that Earth First was on. Judy Berry. We believe that all species is equal and no species has the right to cause the extinction of another. And that's exactly what's happening in the Redwood ecosystem, that the large corporations are literally liquidating them. They're cutting them at a rate that it's going to be impossible for the forest to recover. And we, we see it as a really a crisis situation. Another parallel to the situation in Mississippi is that although we have very broad public support both locally and nationally, locally our towns are under the grip of a stranglehold by these timber corporations. And so just as in Mississippi, they could get away with beating up black kids when no one but Mississippi was watching. With the eyes of the nation on them, uh, it was no longer possible for them to do it. And so we thought that by using the tactics that had been used by those before us, that um, we could bring about, just bring some sanity to this area where they're actually destroying an ecosystem that's 10,000, ten, tens of thousands of years old for, for mega profits for corporations. They're destroying communities, they're destroying workers' lives. and. Um, we, we thought that by calling for national, making this a national movement and bringing the, the eyes of the nation on it that we could stop this insanity. I think the energy is phenomenal. I think that every attempt that they've made to stop it has only made it bigger. Every, every time they try, they call us the Terra Hydra. Every time they try to stomp off, off out Earth first, it grows three new heads.
I'm actually pretty sick. I'm not here for the fun of it. Um, I was pretty badly injured. I have four breaks in my pelvis. My coccyx bone is crushed. I have limited feeling in my leg, and I don't know the extent to which it will recover. I have to be here in this hospital on my back for a total of eight weeks, after which I have to begin rehabilitation to try to learn to walk again or whatever I'm going to be able to do. And I'm not going to be able to participate very much in either the organizing or the activities of Redwood Summer. Well, I think that the loggers are really scared. They're really caught in the middle. Um, anybody who works in the woods knows what they're doing, and they don't feel good about what they're doing. Most people who work in the woods work there because they love the woods. The reason we called for Redwood Summer this year is because the crisis is this year. We don't have any more years to wait. Um, people have gotten together uh, several ballot initiatives to try to restrict the logging, and the reaction of the timber industry has been to try to take every tree that they can as fast as they can to make any regulations a moot point by the time that they're passed. And once, if any, if any laws are passed in the fall, they'll immediately sue and hold them up in court long enough for them to literally destroy the ecosystem. So we see this as a crisis, it's either now or never. So the goal of Redwood Summer is this is not a symbolic act. We hope to literally slow down the logging by using our bodies nonviolently this summer. And uh, we hope to do that so that there'll be something left to save by the time any legislation can be passed to regulate them. I think that nonviolence is the only way that we can achieve our goals. I think that we can only answer violence with nonviolence. There's no way that we could even, the, the unspeakable horrors that have been done to us are not in our hearts. The people who can destroy forests, we're not that kind of people, and we can't do that. And I think that the only way that we can succeed is if we answer their violence with our nonviolence. Just as the people in Mississippi were fighting for civil rights for black people, um, we this summer are fighting for equal rights for all species. And we as Earth Firsters believe that all species have an equal right to exist and that no species has the right to cause the extinction of another species. You really believe it's urgent? Um, I believe this is our last chance. I think that they're killing the forest. I don't just think this. I live there. I live there. I've seen it. I've seen the miles and miles of clear cut. I've seen the ruined streams. I've seen the ruined soil. The forest can't recover if you continue to cut it and cut it. And these companies don't care. All they want is profits. All they want is money. Their plan is to cut and run, and we're not going to let them do it. That was an interview with um, Earth First activist Judy Berry, who um, died in uh, 1997, I believe, as a result of injuries suffered in that car bombing, which the FBI, with its usual open-mindedness and uh, sensitivity, uh, accused Judy Berry and her partner Daryl Cherney of carrying in their car. So yeah, you get someone blows up your car, then they blame it on you. <laughs> I wonder if they did that to Al Capone. Okay, so it's obvious that there's a crisis. There's there's a crisis now that we've never faced as a species before. We're using up the Earth. We're making the Earth sick at a rate that seems always seems to be faster and faster than anyone thought 
And uh, the earth's going to get us back. The earth will abide. The earth will live. It's our human species that might or might not survive here. So right now, I want to um, talk to my guest, Vita Castaneda Morgan, who has taken on the vegan lifestyle. Good morning, Vita. Good morning. And um, what I'd like you to do is talk to us about what vegan is and why, as you told me, it's political. Okay? Okay. Well, veganism is basically the belief that no living creature, no living or sentient being, including animals, should suffer for consumption, for um, any kind of use, for using them for uh, like leather, clothes, meat, anything. There's so many things that we use every day that comes from animals. and. The vegan movement is now gaining a lot more traction because it has been shown that becoming vegan has so many positive effects, not only on your body, but the environment. And we're realizing now that like, when you eat meat, you're partaking in an entire industry that really destroys the planet from the bottom up. So. For example, uh, factory farming. All over the world, there's factory farms, and if people aren't familiar with it, that's basically the mass production of meat, whether it be pork, beef, chicken, whatever it may be. And it's really become very industrialized and very inhumane, to say the least. And I don't really need to get into the details of how they treat the animals or what goes down because people can find that out for themselves. But one, what one needs to know is that, you know, all over the world, they're cutting down forests to have these animals graze there. They're destroying entire ecosystems just to have, just for money, just for consumption. All over the world, they're growing wheat, they're growing corn, and they're not giving it to people who need it, starving people. Every year, five million children die of starvation. Well, we here in the United States are consuming meat at disgusting levels every single day. Why isn't it that we can't give that wheat or corn uh, to feed these children? Rather, we do it to, you know, support our disgusting diets. To say, to say the least, not even to mention the harm that the diet is doing to us. Exactly. That's not diet. That's not even uh, all of it. There's this one Australian philanthropist and former vice president of Citibank. He said, poor countries sell their grain to the West while their own children starve in their arms, and we feed it to livestock so we can eat steak. Am I the only one who sees this as a crime? Every morsel of meat we eat is slapping the tear-stained face of a starving child. And that's true. That's true. And imagine how much, you know, the transportation of the meat or the grain going from one country to the another, all these things that companies have done to say, like, save money, basically. But it's really taking its toll on the environment and on us, our bodies. Um, aside from that, I guess I could say it on a more personal level. 
eating meat has been linked to so many diseases, has been linked to heart disease, cancer, brain disease, autoimmune diseases. If you, if anyone is ever interested to read the China study, it's one of the most comprehensive studies that's ever been done about plant-based diets. And there was a professor, I believe he was from Cornell University, and he's still alive today, and he's well into his 90s, and he's still going because of the plant-based diet. And he talks about how people he basically went to China and he studied how different people on different parts of China, like how their health was affected based on their diet. And as you know, like certain parts of the world are very rural and they can't really eat that much meat all the time the way we do. And he saw like amazing and clear statistics showing how people who didn't eat meat or ate meat much less and didn't partake in a diet that had dairy and all these other things were living on a very different like standard than the others and there's even been in switzerland there's been a treatment for cancer before where they actually take people off of meat diets and put them on a completely vegan diet and it shows that the cancer actually goes away and it helps with the treatment of cancer because it has been proven and i think the the national health association released a few months ago that meat there's a correlation between meat and cancer. It's been proven that pl animal protein actually feeds the tumor, feeds the cancer, feeds this and that. So that's just one of the things, I mean, to start with, to start with. Um, aside from that, one of the other big issues that no one is really talking about that will definitely affect my generation, I'm only 23, but it's water. Um, pretty soon we're running out of fresh water all over the world and a lot of the fresh water is being used to feed these animals and the thing is people don't understand what a large scale you know this this thing is happening on we just see it at Costco or Safeway and we see chicken nuggets it's all freshly packed dyed and uh, put ammonia in it and everything and we and we like it we like it we think it's great but in reality there's this huge industry going on that's sucking up our fresh water and when there's natural disasters or when they don't want to pay to actually filtrate their systems or get rid of the waste in their factory farms they put it it's been proven it's happened various times they put it into freshwater reservoirs or they put it in places where people are poorer and less represented and there goes our water with all the animal waste and all this nastiness and um it's very political now to become vegan that's why various um environmental groups and i'm saying that with quotations only because i question how environmental they are and how much they're working for the environment as opposed to big companies because they fail consistently to bring up the issue that veganism is the way to save the planet they're over here saying oh you know uh what what is it don't don't use plastic bags drive this kind of car do this and that even if you're driving an electric car you know that within the tire there's eight gallons of oil 
And that oil comes from the Middle East, that oil comes from here. That transportation is wrecking the environment as well. So when you say, oh, drive an electric car to be to conserve, I really don't know. You know what I mean? I don't know what people are talking about sometimes. This just goes to show, you know, the wisdom of um, that song. You got to serve somebody no matter what you do. Yeah. The way you live your daily life. Now, you as a vegan person, what will you eat and not eat? And, oh, and why and yeah. why not? Well, okay. Me as a vegan individual, I don't eat any meat. Um, at the beginning of this year, I told myself, okay, I'm really going to work towards this pure vegan diet. I allow myself sometimes to dip into a vegetarian diet, sometimes cheese and this and that. But a, a real vegan doesn't have no lactose, no meat, no eggs, um, none of that. They don't, you know, none of it, none of it. It's, and it's really amazing. If you, if most people were to just take the opportunity and step out of their comfort level and possibly become vegan for only 30 days and really follow it, they'll realize that a plant-based diet has so many positive effects on their life. And when I say plant-based diet, I mean a plant-based diet. I don't mean that, and I made this mistake initially when I first became vegetarian. I do not mean to say uh, you become a carbitarian, as most people do. They just start eating a lot of carbs and bread, and okay, I'm vegan, I'm this. You're not going to see the health benefits from that. You need to really engage in eating salads and making smoothies. And it is a responsibility to be vegan because we need to take care of the nutrients that we get into our body for example b12 and there are some supplements that are very common among the vegan community but in reality nature produces all those supplements nature has it all you have to do is get out of your comfort zone educate yourself and not reach for the thing that's most convenient but rather you know get something different and with any vegan diet it's important to understand superfoods as well so superfoods are basically foods that have like a whole range of nutrients and vitamins that no other foods have and all of them are pretty much vegan and to name a few there's hemp seeds chia seeds cacao seeds um, things like that that when they're unprocessed or raw they do so much good for your body and they change everything they have they're very rich in omega-3s and protein and all these things that people just don't know about because big industries don't want you to know about that they don't want you to know that you can cure yourself you can you don't need to be taking all these pills because in reality um you can, you can be the cure. Nature has the cure. And uh, there was a famous Greek, I think his name was Hippocrates, who said, let food be thy medicine and let medicine be thy food. Exactly. I remember it. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, um, this is so educational. Um, what else? Is there anything else you want to end with and, and let us know? I'm just beginning. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm just like, another thing I'd like to say about veganism and dispel a common myth that uh, definitely the meat industry and dairy industry has pushed far too much 
is that you don't get protein on a vegan diet, which is a lie. I can, one person who is very famous for his physique and has been a Mr. World or Mr. Olympia various times, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, who actually is now promoting a vegetarian diet and vegan diet, saying that, you know, you don't have to be, uh, you don't have to be eating meat all the time in order to get that protein. Think about it. I mean, we eat animals, we drink their milk, we have their eggs to say, okay, we're getting protein. But has anyone ever considered where do those animals get their protein? Those animals get their protein, they're herbivores. They get their protein from eating grass, from eating wheat, from eating corn. So basically when we're getting our protein, once again, I'm saying that in quotations, we're getting a secondary source of protein. And we're getting that secondary source added with antibiotics, hormones, all these things that they inject into the animals to make them grow faster and live in these disgusting conditions they put them in. These animals are literally at the point of death <laughs> by the time they're gonna get killed to be consumed by us. And it's- They're fat and fleshy. They're fat and fleshy. I mean, you just do a Google search and you can see chickens that can't even stand up because they've been confined to these small cages. They can't even flap their wings. The animals that people consume nowadays from common factory farms, I, I'm hesitant to even call them animals, you know? I'm really hesitant because they're more like little science experiments, and it's so sad to think that so many, you know, humiliated lives have come and gone just because we have a lack of understanding of sentient beings and vulnerability, and it's the... It is really the crime of capitalism that we consider might is right. Just because we can do something, just because we can, you know, uh, <laughs> on a mass level kill these animals and commit a genocide every single day and literally destroy the planet, destroy the environment, destroy our bodies, destroy our ecosystem, just because, oh, what, you know, oh, um, I'm Mexican, so I grew up eating meat all the time and my family doesn't understand it. You know, that it doesn't make sense. People are so quick to grab onto these ideas and say, oh, well, you know, it's my family tradition. I wouldn't know what I'd do if I couldn't eat meat. Like, I mean, is that what you're all about? Is that who you are? You eating meat, that's, that's how you identify yourself? That's sad. That's really sad. And it's a choice every day. It's a choice every day. And just like they've said before, I've heard people say like, you know, you vote with your money. You vote with your uh, what you choose to buy. And when you choose to buy meat, when you choose to buy dairy, you are choosing genocide. You're choosing to continue a tradition and system that has caused detrimental harm to the planet, to our bodies, and it's not right. It's not right, and... Um, I suggest people uh, do more research and at least at least inform yourself if you're gonna if you're gonna walk around and be a tomb for dead creatures then you better know what you're doing and you better be informed because when you come across a vegan who is inspired and impassioned by this idea of love and life you better know what you're talking about because you really don't have a defense other than, oh, it tastes good. So, you know, uh, that, <laughs> oh, it tastes good could be equivalent to so many other excuses that people have used over time. 
to do horrible and disgusting things to others, to sentient beings that are more vulnerable and weaker than they are. And yeah, I mean, one statistic that I'd like to uh, just pull up very quickly that I was really surprised to see and I loved, I love seeing it. I thought it was really interesting. Says that, let's see, it said that 1.5, it says if one person exchanges eating meat for a vegan diet, they'll reduce carbon dioxide emissions by 1.5 tons per year. That, and when you think about that, Amazing. yeah, it's really interesting because that means that, you know, you're not engaging in this. I really, I understand it more now because I thought about it on a deeper level and understood like the transportation of the animals and this and that. All these things really do affect our environment. And when Earth Day is here, we should really think about what is the essence? What, like, let's cut through all the BS and what is the essence of how we can help the planet? Not, you know, walking around being a self-righteous with our little uh, cloth bags and all these things and thinking we're so cute because we have a, a bottle that we refill all the time that's great that's fun that's cute okay but put your money where your mouth is basically put your money where your mouth is and if you can't look at pictures of animals being tortured if it's not good for your eyes then why is it good for your stomach and your mouth i i question that and when i was younger i was shyer about it and I was a little worried I'd be imposing on people's beliefs and I don't know I felt I felt scared to talk about it but now that I'm older and much more informed I've realized there's just no other way there really is any other way and I'm doing a disservice to others if I'm not sharing the information and revelations I've come to and really putting it out there and building myself up as a force to be heard and to speak for animals which are the most vulnerable beings in this world because they can't talk they can't anything and you know when we see animals you know we see them scared we see them crying we see them get happy when we come through the door what is the difference between a dog and a cow what's the difference between a dog and a pig i'll tell you what the difference is pigs are smarter than dogs pigs are just not as convenient for us pigs were just not domesticated thousands of years ago to be house animals so you know animals are really a victim victims of history victims are of our existence and they were here before us and they they're just living they they make the world go around now that bees are becoming extinct because of gmos and all the solar waves and radiation and all these things we're realizing that these little animals will if they fail our entire ecosystem will begin to fail on various levels and it's just uh what jesus said treat others as you want to be treated and I, I see that in a very real way. Okay, well, thank you very much for that very complete and exhaustive um, description <laughs> of why veganism is um, political. And it's so, so profoundly political. Even the little act of buying a hamburger or not buying a hamburger is a sublimely political act yeah 
I really urge people, I urge everyone to do their own research and find out that um, up until 2013, McDonald's was still treating its meat with ammonia and, you know, giving that to children and children were eating it. There's pieces of feces in the ground meat. And I'll tell you one more thing that'll make your stomach turn and anyone else who's listening. Um, in every hamburger, there's the flesh of 300 different cows. And imagine what else gets in there. This is just stats well, and, sti- and facts. Yeah, this is just stats and facts. This isn't me, you know, being a tree hugger. This isn't me, you know, saying, oh, let's let's hold all the animals. This is me telling you that the meat is nasty and you better look into it. Okay, thank you very much. It's my pleasure. Vita Castaneda Morgan in. Just to reiterate our point, even when you sit down to a hamburger, you gotta serve somebody. You may be an ambassador to England or France. You may like to gamble. You might like to dance. You may be the heavyweight champion of the world You may be a socialite with a long string of pearls But you're gonna have to serve somebody Yes, indeed, you're gonna have to serve somebody Well, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord But you're gonna have to serve somebody Be a rock and roll addict Prancing on the stage Money, drugs at your command Women in a cage You may be a businessman Or some high-degree thief They may call you doctor Or they may call you chief But you're gonna have to serve somebody Yes, you are You're gonna have to serve somebody You may be blind or lame Maybe living in another country Under another name But you're gonna have to serve somebody Yes, you are You're gonna have to serve somebody Serve somebody Well, it may be the devil Or it may be the Lord But you're gonna have to serve somebody Working on a home Might be living in a mansion You might live in a dome You may own guns And you may even own tanks You may be somebody's landlord You may even own banks But you're gonna have to serve somebody Preacher, preacher, spiritual pride 
Maybe a city councilman taking bribes on the side. Maybe working in a barber shop, you may know how to cut hair. It may be somebody's mistress, maybe somebody's heir, but you're gonna have to serve somebody. Yes, you're gonna have to serve somebody. Bob Dylan reminding us that you got to serve somebody even when the food with the food you put into your mouth. Um, that choice is political. You're serving the corporation or you're serving your mother earth. Which one do you want to be doing? Okay, another um, sad event besides the uh, death of Prince which really struck people all over the world a guy who's uh, a little less of a celebrity than Prince was much more of a poet and an artist in the sense of um, what he did with his life Gil Scott Heron Gil Scott Heron um, was a student at an Eastern University, and he saw a group called the Last Poets. He was a literature major. He saw a group called the Last Poets we played on this show, which was kind of a proto-rap group, more of a, a singing, singing poetry, you know, with rhythm, which eventually developed into rap, but... Um, 
One of their famous ones was a white man's got a God complex. Anyway, Gil Scott Heron heard them and went up to them after the show and said, how can I get to do what you do? And um, developed into a really highly regarded jazz man and a poet. So we're going to play a set of his songs. Um, first one refers to... That's the only way to keep them building 
not be able to stay home, brother. You will not be able to plug in, turn on, and cop out. You will not be able to lose yourself on Skag and skip out for beer during commercials because the revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be brought to you by Xerox in four parts without commercial interruptions. The revolution will not show you pictures of Nixon blowing a bugle and leading a charge by John Mitchell, General Abrams, and Spiro Agnew to eat hog moths confiscated from the Harlem sanctuary. The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be brought to you by the Shaper Award Theater and will not star Natalie Woods and Steve McQueen or Bullwinkle and Julia. The revolution will not give your mouth sex appeal. The revolution will not get rid of the nubs. The revolution will not make you look five pounds thinner because the revolution will not be televised, brother. There will be no pictures of you and Willie Mae pushing that shopping cart down the block on the dead run or trying to slide that color TV into a stolen ambulance. NBC will not be able to predict the winner at 8.32 on report from 29 districts. The revolution will not be televised. There will be no pictures of pigs shooting down brothers on the instant replay. There will be no pictures of pigs shooting down brothers on the instant replay. There will be no pictures of Whitney Young being run out of Harlem on the rail with a brand new process. There will be no slow motion or still lights of Roy Wilkins strolling through Watts in a red, black, and green liberation jumpsuit that he has been saving for just the proper occasion. Acres, Beverly Hillbillies, and Hooterville Junction will no longer be so damn relevant, and women will not care if Dick finally got down with Jane on Search for Tomorrow, because black people will be in the street looking for a brighter day. The revolution will not be televised. There will be no highlights on the 11 o'clock news and no pictures of Harry R. Women Liberationist and Jackie Onassis blowing her nose. The theme song will not be written by Jim Webb or Francis Scott Keyes, nor sung by Glenn Campbell, Tom Jones, Johnny Cash, Engelbert Humperdinck, or The Rare Earth. The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be right back after a message about a white tornado, white lightning, or white people. You will not have to worry about a dove in your bedroom, the tiger in your tank, or the giant in your toilet bowl. The revolution will not go better with coats. The revolution will not fight germs that may cause bad breath. The revolution will put you in the driver's seat. The revolution will not be televised, will not be televised, will not be televised, will not be televised. The revolution will be no rerun, brothers. The revolution will be live.
the whole world must be dying All the children who go hungry How much food we could be buying Him who don't fit through the needle's eye Him who just don't understand Understand That was a, a set by Gil Scott Heron, a late lamented, just died this week. A real innovator, and uh, people are used to calling him uh, the godfather or the grandfather of rap, which he didn't uh, embrace. 
but the the spoken word as a vehicle you know for use in music uh, the human voice as an instrument and the inclusion of topical subject matter subject matter that had real uh, bite to it as about people's real lives so I want to appreciate Gil Scott Heron. Of course, uh, I want to appreciate Prince as well. It's about uh, 14 till now. Uh, as usual, I had a lot of other things to talk about, but this, let's see some labor history. On this day, April 12th in 1934, workers at the Electric Autolite Company in Toledo, Ohio, went on strike one of the most important strikes in American labor history. Crucially, it involved mass support from unemployed workers. Fishing in early June, finishing in early June, the strike would become famous for the five-day Battle of Toledo in which 6,000 workers fought 1,300 National Guardsmen leaving two workers dead and over 200 injured. And this auto light strike really set off the series of strikes uh, in the 1930s around the auto workers, in the auto industry, and eventually ended with the unionization of the three large automakers uh, at that time. Okay, well, it's time to sign off. This is the B, and I wish you a good week and good work. Remember, if one person gets a dollar they didn't work for, someone else worked for a dollar they didn't get. If you don't have a seat at the table, the negotiating table, that is, you're probably on the menu. And finally, never but never let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. And when I say labor, I mean you. Call out to uh, Sylvia and to the whole family. A special call out to my daughter, Vita, who makes me want to be a better dad every day. Thank you for coming. Coming, Vita. It was really uh, informative for me and I'm sure for our audience. Okay, we're going out as we always do with Carrie Miraji and the Internacional. We'll follow up with our breaker and then Scott Walker, Flat Black Plastic. Coming right up. A little bit of everything here on Mutiny Radio. Mutiny Radio, social justice radio for the Bay and beyond. Bye, everyone. Good week and good work.
one food relieves insomnia, anxiety, stress, chronic brain, depression, nausea, and can induce euphoria and stimulate appetite? I'm going to guess waffles. <laughs> that is incorrect. <laughs> Actually, Alex, the food I'm talking about are cannabis-based medicinal extracts. Cannabis-based medicinal extracts? That sounds like you're smoking drugs, Ed. No, baby. There are smokeless, safe, and less expensive alternative to smoking. But can I use it to sleep? Yes, baby. Good, because I'm so excited by this that I may never sleep again. And it sounds like you, Alex, may want to check out the number 4AltaCalifornia.com. That's 4AltaCalifornia.com for a non-addictive, pharmaceutical-free alternative to smoking medical marijuana. Check them out today at number 4AltaCalifornia.com. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of mutinyradio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Yeah, you. You look like the kind of person who has a sense of humor. Oh, is the radio talking to me? No, I'm on an internet podcast. I'm talking to an internet podcast? Don't be silly. It's a one-way form of communication. But I don't want you to miss out on the Muni Radio Comedy Festival 2016 from March 2nd through 6th. And you don't have to. You can buy tickets now on universe.com with 24 national and international visiting comedians and 20 local hosts. You won't want to miss a thing. What if I can't be at every show? Don't worry. All shows will be available for free download at mutinyradio.fm until the internet falls apart. Oh, podcast got it. I can't wait to listen to all these great comedy shows and everything else that's cool and MutinyRadio.fm before the internet falls apart. You too won't want to miss a bit of the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival from March 2nd through 6th, 2016. Buy tickets now. Brought to you by Subliminal SF, PBR, The Eagle SF, Brainwash Cafe, Asiento, and the great people at Alta California Botanicals. Have you heard of Subliminal SF? Visual and auditory mind control. Graphic design, physical merchandise, live music promotions. Go www.subliminalsf.com for the most amazing t-shirts you've ever seen. Graphic design for every need and live music promotion. 
at some of the best bars in San Francisco. That's Subliminal SF Visual and Auditory Mind Control. Go to SubliminalSF.com now. Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere $5 every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because $5, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere $5 is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere, like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak ceiling. So all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse, or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe it's a cash cock honey (laughs) Billy Bob you ever want to be funny well my dogs think I'm funny Daryl well I mean you ever want to be like in front of an audience like other than like squirrels dogs and dead persons oh shit from time to time, I've given it a thought of two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things to you before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dag nabbit thing called? It's joke workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! Four ninety nine. The dictionary definition of the adjective eclectic is selecting or choosing from various sources. When Bay Area musician J.D. Buell brings you Morning Train Wednesday, 10 a.m. to noon on Mutiny Radio, that is exactly what he does. Select music from various sources to give you a unique listening experience. Rock, pop, jazz, bluegrass, gospel, funk, reggae, folk, blues, country and western, electronica, soul, disco, rhythm and blues, punk and post-punk. Come together with music from around the world with Buell's passionate and down-to-earth delivery. In an age of personal music delivery systems, J.D. Buell carries on the values of progressive FM radio when a listener could actually have a relationship with a programmer, someone who would create an eclectic musical environment, 
where in both listener and host find fulfillment. The Morning Train with J.D. Buell, Wednesday, 10 to noon on mutinyradio.fm. Freeform Radio for free minds. Did you know that compact fluorescent light bulbs use 60% less energy than regular light bulbs? And that each one saves about 300 pounds of carbon dioxide a year. If all Americans switched to CFLs, we would save more than 90 billion pounds of carbon dioxide. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Muni Radio in San Francisco. People from all over the Bay Area come to the Lindsay Wildlife Museum to experience close encounters with live wild animals. The museum's living collection features more than 50 species of non-releasable native California animals. Visitors can see and learn about wildlife such as eagles, owls, bobcats, coyotes, reptiles, and other fascinating creatures. The museum's world-renowned Wildlife Rehabilitation Hospital treats more than 5,000 wild animals each year with the goal of returning them to their native habitat. The Lindsay Wildlife Museum is in Walnut Creek. To learn more, visit wildlife-museum.org. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Mutiny Radio in San Francisco. Safe sex is more than just avoiding STIs and pregnancy, no matter what you're into. Make sure that you and those around you feel safe, comfortable, and are having a good time. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Mutiny Radio. Meals on Wheels is dedicated to fostering independent living for San Francisco seniors by providing hot, nutritious meals delivered to their homes. They're committed to fostering independent living for as long as possible.